Hey lovelies and welcome back to the Matcha Diaries. <laughs> it feels so weird to say that but I love it. So if you guys don't know, Leo and I have changed our podcast name with the help of our listeners. So thank you for everyone who sent us DMs or participated in our Instagram stories. We hope you all love it as much as we do. So this is part two of our episode with Jules under the Instagram handle at Matcha Jules. And just to give you an idea of what this episode entails, Jules opens up about her experiences with depression and dealing with criticism and negativity. We think about how failures in life are essential to successes. Jules then gives an insight into what it's like being the only female in her team and unravels how imposter syndrome impacts her day-to-day life. Jules also shares inspiring stories about how Jade Leaf Matcha, the company she works for, how it creates an inclusive workplace that values health and well-being. It was such a beautiful, vulnerable, and eye-opening conversation, and we can't thank Jules enough for sharing her stories with us. I wanted to ask you with, um, so with closing your Instagram pages, so that was a decision about setting boundaries. Can you talk us through that more and maybe like what was the main reason why those pages were affecting like what I don't know if it if it had to do with imposter syndrome or you just being overwhelmed with the workload and stuff. Can you just talk us through that experience? Yeah, I so there were a number of things that that pushed me in that direction to deactivate the pages for a time. Um, they're currently act like they're active as in up, but I'm not doing any work on them currently. And the, you know, when I think back to my experience with depression, they very much were a part of it. I, mm-hmm. so I mentioned, I worked on the first matcha festival and did a second one. And I recognized with the first two, I love the feeling of bringing people together because there's this, this, this love of community that I have. I, I want to be surrounded by like-minded people who care about something like I care about. But I recognize I didn't enjoy the process of the events. I worked myself and, you know, back then I didn't have any boundaries. The imposter syndrome was real. I remember the first event I did when I received my paycheck because I didn't know how to ne- negotiate and I didn't feel like I could negotiate the price. Mm-hmm. I just accepted whatever was offered. And I thought, shit, I worked my ass off for three months for X amount. And why did you do that, Jules? Like, this is, you don't have another job. <laughs> like, this is what you yeah. were doing. And so that didn't, you know, the financial situation didn't help me. I didn't champion for myself or advocate for myself. And I did a second one. And this time, you know, we negotiated for a while because I was like, no, I know my value now. I know mm-hmm. my value. And um, that's so good. Yeah. But that's, that's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard as women, right, to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Or even to claim, like, this is what I am worth. Because we live in a society where there's so much so much shit stacked against women. And we have to fight through all of that noise, through all of the, the preconceived notions about who we should be. Yeah. But we have, we have to be our own advocate. And so in these moments where, 
you know, we, we decided to do our first event in LA and I had this vision for what I wanted to do. I was like, Oh, I, I want to do this in LA. I want to create this experience. This is what I want it to look like. I want it to feel like this. Well, all of that went out the window when I recognized I was at this point of burnout and I needed a girl's trip. So my friend and I drove down to LA and we were just going to have a day or a weekend to ourselves. That first night, I broke my ankle and I dislocated my knee. No. And, you know, it's a story. Oh, it was, my God. It, yeah. I, I, I was, you know, I've broken so many bones in my life. <laughs> and I have this really high threshold for pain. So when I... I didn't, I didn't even realize I broke my ankle and dislocated my knee because I was on the floor and I thought I did the splits. And I was like, oh, girl, yes, <laughs> you do you. <laughs> and she was just like, get up, stand up. And I tried to stand up and I couldn't. I was like, uh-uh, put me back on the floor. Uh-uh-uh. And she carried me to this booth. And, you know, I'm sorry for anyone that's, like, not great with these – the next few things I'm going to share around just – things that could be gory. My ankle was tilted towards another direction. I've never seen my ankle <laughs> facing. It was basically oh, like my God. not upright sideways. And my kneecap, my patella was down near my shin. Oh my and God. I looked at that. Oh, I hate Oh, you. gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, for people that no, um, we, we might need to do, like, a trigger warning before <laughs> Jill starts speaking about this. There's people going to be uh, like, oh. It's really go- it's, it's pretty <laughs> gross, but I looked at that, and I thought, I could fix that. <laughs> so I literally bent over, and I relocated my knee. I twisted it back. I mean, sorry, I twisted my ankle back into place, and I relocated my patella back to where it should have been. And so thinking, oh, you know what, Jules, you just sprained your ankle. You'll be fine. Don't worry. I went to the ER, found out, no, (laughs) you broke your ankle and you dislocated your knee. You're going to need to have surgery. So this, not recognizing that this was really going to change the outcome of this event. And so this event happened. I was bedridden for months. My partner was trying to do everything that she, we, we basically set her to do. She was working on all of the logistics and the operations and I was going to do all the creative, right? All of the, um, like building the activations and creating this experience for people. And, you know, come day one of the event, I had this moment of, this is not going to be what I, I, this is not, my vision is not going to pan out. And there's nothing I can do. I'm literally on the floor in a cast, in a knee brace, with my crutches against the wall, trying to work on these these pieces, these like to create this experience. And I had this amazing team of volunteers who are helping, but no one could execute my vision because I had it. Yeah. And day one of the event was heartbreaking. I, I'm an energy person. I read body language and I could tell people were not happy. And there was nothing I could do about it. Aww. And, you know, day two, actually that night, we received feedback from people that was so negative. And not negative to the point where it was just constructive. It was so hurtful. People were attacking yeah. who I was as a person. And I'm getting emotional now when I talk about it because I didn't want to show up to day two. I, I did not. 
Yeah. Knowing what people were saying and feeling the disappointment and feeling so disappointed within myself that I needed that night to go out. I was so mad. I was like, gosh, Jules, why the fuck did you have to do that? You ruined this. And it was so heartbreaking minutes before we opened the doors to day two where I could see a line out the door and Jazz gave this really rousing speech because we acknowledged like, hey, this is, we know what we could tell people are not happy, but we have to get through the day. And this is how we can still make up for this experience. Like trying to fill people up with positivity. And I stood there in my crutches and before, you know, three minutes before she opened the doors, I crutched over to the bathroom and I cried. I looked in the mirror and I cried. And then I crutched back out and wiped my tears and I smiled and I had to show up. And after that, those two days, we went back home to San Francisco and I went into the deepest depression for over a year to the point where I was numbing myself with drugs. I was high all the time. I didn't want to feel anything. I would get panic attacks when I'd go into any matcha cafe because I thought, if, if anyone looked at my, like, looked in my direction, I thought, oh gosh, they were probably thinking, oh, that's that girl who tried to do that event that was so shitty. You know, like, I was, these were, no these were my own projections. I remember we were at this cafe that I love called Stone Mill in San Francisco. And, you know, not that I think I'm like this big time anything, but there are some people when I go to matcha cafes or places, they're like, hey, you're Jules. Like, I follow your page. Mm. And we were standing in line. And I was still on crutches and there were these group of girls who were like, you know, you could tell when someone's looking at you and like someone, like she, so this girl was looking at me and then she turns to her friends and says some things and then they all look at me and I look at Jazz, I'm like, we have to go. I don't, I don't want to be here, but you know, we ordered food, we sat down and I just had this moment where I didn't realize it was a panic attack, but the room just got bigger. And I felt so small and, you know, I was in that depression for over a year to the point where our friends had to snap us out of it. They're like, Hey, like we get it. It was tough. And they were there. They're like, I'm so sorry. I've seen your struggle and your pain, but this isn't you. This doesn't define you. You are not this, you know, like your, your life doesn't end here. This was, yes, this was, you, you feel like this was a failure, but I know your heart and I know that you're, you're going to do so much more. This is just a bump in the road. So I, you know, I avoided Instagram for the longest time. I deactivated my pages. I just couldn't have anything to do with anyone reaching out to me. I didn't want to be accessible. And, um, that was a big portion of why I closed the pages. I, it was a source of pain and, and not pleasure anymore. I didn't get any fulfillment from sharing because I was scared of any comment or DM I would receive. And there's this, you know, when you have a presence on Instagram, which we all do these days, <laughs> you it makes you so accessible to people. People, you're literally a comment mm-hmm. or a DM away. And I never knew what I was going to receive. So my way to alleviate those fears was to just become a ghost. Remove, remove myself. Yeah, remove yourself from the situation. Yeah. yeah. So 
I'm so glad though that you've still got those pages up because that's how I personally found you. I found you through one of like the I don't remember where I think it was Matcha and and like mm-hmm. from New York. So I think and also I think it's so brave that after that experience that you came back to Instagram, you know, and opened yeah. yourself back up to criticism with or you know positive things as well because. I mean, that is just what the online space brings, right? The more you're public, the more people find you, the more you're going to get positive feedback, but the more you're also going to get negative feedback or people who don't understand you or your vision or what you are trying to yeah. create. So I think people often like underestimate the the burden of people telling you things or, you know, they're just individuals who don't even, especially with that festival, they probably didn't realize what their comments were were going to be doing to you. And, yeah, and maybe they were just yeah. having you know like a bad day in general or whatever happened you know they don't know you yeah they didn't know you so nothing they could have said would have like would have genuinely been about you because they don't know anything you've been through and wh- I think that's what sucks though I mean it's like you said earlier it's the like hurt people hurt people so they were they must have just been in a crappy situation and they had to like release that unfortunately on you um and I think just like with Instagram, that's something a lot of like influencers have to go through is yeah. that you're putting yourself out there to to create a positive group and a, and a positive community. But there's no way of controlling anything that's coming your way. And I guess your way was th- um, to like not continue posting on, on those accounts. Um, but yeah, I just think I want you to know like it, you're not alone in that fear sense because even Leo and I with only 200 followers on our Instagram, we still like because so, you know how you can see when people um, send your post to someone mm-hmm. else. Sometimes we are like, oh, my God, <laughs> what did they say? Who sent it? Like, are they saying something bad? We Like, you don't know what's happening. And I think um, as well with us, we, we are kind of comfortable now in like a small group of followers because we know it's all positive mm-hmm. and some are we have spoken about this that our fear is if we do continue to put so much like time and energy, we want to grow but at the same time we know that that will come with negativity yeah. and I think it's just something you we have to or and you have to go through which sucks because we don't have any control over it and I think it's just the it's the weird like cyber bullying world we live in where people can just yeah because they're hiding behind a screen and it doesn't really mean anything does exactly. it exactly and it's you know i appreciate your vulnerability because i i admire what you're doing i admire you know you don't have to have this podcast you don't you don't have to talk about these topics and you never know who you're reaching right but it's yeah. so beautiful when someone reaches out and says i needed to hear that and I yeah. felt that through what you've already shared in oh. previous episodes. And it's it's hard to really put yourself on the line and, and expose yourself. This is vulnerable work. Mm-hmm. You're literally sharing your life experiences on this podcast and connecting with people who have their own set of life experiences. But something I learned from that event is... It's so with in terms of the criticism and the negative things that people can say, it's so easy. And Brene Brown said this. It's so easy to hurl criticisms and negative things from the stands. So if you imagine an an arena, right, a stadium, people can be in the stands and say, oh, I would have done this differently or, you know, like that was so shitty or gosh, that was, you know, like, how could they do this? Or I wouldn't have done that. It's so easy to say that when you're watching from the stands, but when you're in the arena and you're in the fight, Mm -hmm. 
it's it's a different it's a different level of it just it, it it brings a different level of someone in terms of how they can show up right so unless you're in the arena they really can't say anything unless they've tried to host an event and work on all of the logistics to create an experience they don't really they can't empathize with what that experience could be or the challenges that can ensue very much like how having a podcast right people might think oh i would have said this or you know whatever people are saying to themselves, but they're not dedicating X amount of hours each day, every week to share these stories. So it's mm -hmm. like, that's, it's so hard to remember that when you're in the midst of the negativity, how do you break through that noise and remind yourself, no, I, my heart was in the right place. I was trying to do something good. And yes, yeah, it didn't, I didn't execute it the way that I wanted but I did it. Who like I I don't know anyone else who could say that in my life, right? Like yeah, yeah. where they're like, yeah, you know, I a big source of um, I'm probably gonna cry again. <laughs> um, I feel like that's just, it's just something our podcast does. It makes us all cry. Yeah, I cry all the time. <laughs> it's vulnerable, yeah. you know. Like vulnerability is strength, and and you know these tears. A big, people could, honestly, like it did affect me for a long time what people were saying. But I think for me, the most difficult thing was my own mom. Yeah. Believing what people were saying about me. And that hurt me. That still hurts me today. I can, I'm, I can move past what people have said. People I've never met and who have never met me. But it hurt hearing what my mom said yeah. to my sister that she was believing what people have said. And I was angry for a long time because I, I thought, how could you believe that? You know me. I want to give you a hug. <laughs> We're so far away. And I've never said yeah. this to her. <laughs> Thank you. So it's like when people, you know, when people are around you and they know your heart and my group of friends and most of my family were hurt by a lot of that too. I think that probably hurt me the most and it still does. And, you know, I have to, my therapist has been helping me <laughs> find a way to communicate this with her. But, you know, when I think about that time, I wanted to kill myself. There were so many moments I attempted to kill myself. And I thought there was something inside that was just like, yeah, no. This is not, this is not what you're supposed to do. This is, this, this, this does not define you. And now that I look back, that was maybe <laughs> three, four years ago. Again, terrible with time. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm so thankful for the, the outcome of that event. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not, I never wanted to disappoint people, but in terms of my own path and the trajectory mm -hmm. and, and how it catapulted me in a different direction, had it been a success, I would have yeah. done another event and I hated yeah. them from the beginning. <laughs> but it opened up a door to work with Jade Leaf. And, you know, I thought, you know, Jade Leaf was a sponsor of this event and we were working with some local LA businesses. And, you know, 
from what some of them expressed, they're like, great, this was so much fun. Let's do another one. Because they are in the arena. Every day they open up their doors, they open themselves up. It's so vulnerable to put your heart on a plate and offer a meal to someone or, you know, a matcha Mm. dessert. And someone could say something terrible, but they don't know on the back end, oh no, this was like my dream. I wanted to create this, this, this business for someone. And it was so beautiful that despite what I believed, Jade Leaf still wanted to work with me and hired me. (laughs) So I thought, Jules, you fucked up. You completely fucked up. No one's ever going to want to work with you. But here I am today. And I'm so thankful that the event was not a success because it would, I wouldn't be here with, with Jade Leaf and and with the team and really being able to Mm -hmm. apply myself in a different way within the matcha industry. I feel like it's so interesting sort of thinking about failure and successes because one of my favorite podcasts actually, I don't know if you guys know, is How to Fail by Elizabeth Day. And (laughs) I just, I think all of the things that she talks about is obviously like how a lot of the times what we perceive as failures in that moment can actually lead to your success in the long run. And I think that's exactly what what (laughs) your story is as well, right? You know, at that time, that was something that felt like such a big failure to you. But everything led to, and everything is still going to lead to the outcome that it's meant to take. And you will probably, and we also will have more failures that will in the moment crush us and like break us Mm -hmm. down. But I think the actual success is to you know, rise up against that and, you know, continue going even though it's so freaking hard. And that is actually way harder to do than continue something if everything's always a success. Like, anybody can do that, you know. If if you never get criticism, if everything never goes wrong, then everything's easy. But I think in the end, it's going to lead to, you know, a better outcome if you actually have to deal yeah. with those failures and, and maybe maybe the that. failure felt like the the outcome but actually what the failure was was just an obstacle in like your journey that's still continuing like I I think something we need to stop doing is is um separating Mm. things in our lives and stages and things that happen and just think of everything as an obstacle um or like whether it is like an easy route or an obstacle you know but it's always a continuous journey that you're going on and like don't define yourself by that one thing that went wrong because it didn't go wrong. It just didn't go the way you planned. And yes. you had to take a different route to get to where you are today. Oh. And it's just, I think it's just changing the, the mindset and, and trying to always stay um, just forward thinking and think, okay, it might not have been the way I wanted now, but now with how it happened or what happened, how do I make those steps and, and change so that I can then continue back on the path or go on a new path? I don't know. I feel like it's just really... At least for me, because I, um, this might sound so irrelevant, but um, like uh, with grades and stuff in school, I, 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 in, when I graduated um, IB, I never got the grades that I wanted. So I was like, I failed that. Like I didn't get the grades I wanted. And when I finished uni, I wanted it first, but I got a 2-1. So I was like, I failed that. Um, and then I just finished my master's and I got a, I got a distinction and I was talking to my sister uh, I don't know if you know like distinction I don't know if that if it's a UK thing or a or just a general master's thing I don't know but it was like the the top mark you know it was like the one time I didn't not <laughs> get yeah um and I was talking to my sister and I was like oh finally you know like I, I failed I failed I failed and now I finally you know got what I wanted and my sister was like stop saying it that way because 
you not getting the highest mark in in high school made you work harder to get a 2-1 in, in, in uni to then work harder to get a distinction. So maybe if I had always, you know, if I had gotten it, gotten what I wanted so early on, I wouldn't be where I am now, you know? So like stop thinking it as a separate thing and just, I've probably gone on a really long rant, but I hope you, I hope you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Totally. There are lessons, right? There, there are so many lessons in the perceived failures and this, was a very pivotal moment in my life because I could have, I could have given up and said, you know what, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do something different. I fucked up, but despite this mm-hmm. this depression I was in for the longest time, I'm thankful for it for a number of reasons because I learned so much from that experience. I learned that I could do something I had absolutely no knowledge about and connect people still, and you know. I was so focused on like the 10 or 14 people who were upset <laughs> when other people yeah, were like, oh my yeah. gosh, this was so fun. And I, I didn't hear that. I couldn't, I couldn't hear that. There were people who approached me at the event. They're like, oh my gosh, like, thank you. This was great. I did this. And, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, are you lying to me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't believe it, but there were so many lessons in that and this is the moment I think many of us are faced for. It might not be this festival that they're dealing with, but, you know, fill in the blank of whatever is in front of them, whatever their obstacle is. And we choose either to succumb to the fear or to, as you mentioned, continue moving forward. Because that's life, right? We just keep moving forward. We keep learning. And I think once you stop and you you settle and you're like, you know what? I I don't need to do that because I'm comfortable or I... yeah there's nothing else for me. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest failure. Failure. I never want to get to the point in my yeah. life where I'm yeah. complacent. And not to say that I would never be happy with what I achieve, but yeah. I always feel like there's there's always more to do. And I'm not going to stop until I'm dead. <laughs> like that's when I stop trying. <laughs> I love that mindset. I mean, I've I've kind of had the same or a similar thing with a podcast now in that I got into a corporate job about a year ago and I, oh my God, I struggled with imposter syndrome so much when I got that job because I was like, how the hell is this big company wanting to hire me? I don't understand why. But then I could feel myself kind of, you know, when doing the job, I was like, okay, I kind of want to do something else. I want to do something more. And I feel like the podcast is kind of giving, I don't know, Cara, if you feel the same, but it's kind of given me the chance to feel like, okay, this is something else that I can grow yeah. and it's like our own project and I know I have so many hopes and like ideas that I still want to I don't know I still want to achieve with it I wanted to also because you were saying that you know when you started with Jade Leaf Matcha and you're obviously you know flying to meet those CEOs or you know those big bosses like how did you in the end or maybe how are you still sort of dealing with combating those like imposter syndrome feelings because I definitely need need that advice yeah we need (laughs) the advice please (laughs) it happens all the time (laughs) it hasn't stopped and you know I think the, the the difference is how I support myself through it how do I nip that negative dialogue in the bud before it I really begin to believe these things and in terms of that experience, specifically being a part of the team, I'm very grateful that our co-founders are some of the most incredible people I've met. 
And, you know, in terms of my vulnerability and just, they know my story. They, they, they were following me on Instagram before I joined the team. There's nothing to hide. So they, they, they were aware of what I've done and, you know, my passion for matcha. But in terms of the things that I didn't know how to do, I would just explicitly say, hey, Will, you know, I don't know how to do this and I want to learn from you. Or, you know, is there, you know, there's another team member on my team with those skill sets. I want to learn from yeah. you. I want to have more meetings with you so that I can see how you see the world and how you would navigate through a problem like this. And thankfully, we have a team of, of really inc incredible people who support each other. And be, being, you know, the only woman on the team currently, being the only, in a, you know, I want to say creative, someone who functions differently than the rest yeah. of the team. A lot of my work is in connecting with people, in creating content, in sharing stories of the brand and of our tea farmers. Uh, and I, for the longest time, didn't feel like anyone understood that. I, you know, because I, I felt like, oh, my work is, is not as valuable because it, you aren't seeing on the back end how much, how many hours I'm putting into this one photo or this one video. And when I think about my work today, you know, these stories I was telling myself about people not understanding me was really because I didn't understand myself. I put myself, I kicked myself a few notches down and kept, I put a ceiling over my head at the beginning of, you know, my time with Jade Leaf where I didn't, I still very much believe that I, I was, I didn't deserve to be a part of the team. I constantly questioned, why am I here? Why do they want me? I don't understand. It has led to panic attacks. <laughs> like one where I had, I had a panic attack with, while I was on a team call with my team. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, and I didn't recognize it then, but it was more of a visual one where like my laptop was stationary and the room was just spinning. And, you know, when I spoke to my therapist that day, she's like, that was a panic yeah. attack. And that the day after I had another one when I was driving where my hands froze on the steering wheel and it was the most scary thing. But I think when we deal with imposter syndrome, we, we need an outlet to talk about it because a lot of it was internalized and it manifested in the form of depression, of panic attacks when no one else knew what was like, no one else knew what I was going mm -hmm. through because I didn't feel like I could talk about it, right? Unless, you know, you were my partner or my best friends, they knew on the back end. But when I started to share openly with my team, like, hey, this is, I'm struggling with this. That requires immense courage to say, I don't know how to do something, mm -hmm. but I want to learn very much like what we were talking about earlier. But it's, I think it all goes back to the people you have around you. These moments are going to continue to happen where you doubt yourself. How do you support yourself through it? And how do you surround yourself with people who can support yourself through it when you don't recognize you need support? Yeah, I think that is such a common misconception is thinking that oh, people that are successful, you know, when you've made it, then you're never going to have those moments of doubt or anything like that. But I think probably, you know, even CEOs or people that are super successful still have those moments of doubt. It's just like knowing how to deal with it yeah. better. And 
I know that we obviously talked in our, mm-hmm. our body image episode of sort of, you know, thoughts that may creep in. And I know that for me personally, it's a lot about, you know, maybe sometimes still those thoughts would come up because, you know, I've, I've had them so often in my past, but it's now recognizing them and being like, yeah. you know, no, that's, that's not true. And then sort of actively telling yourself mm-hmm. a different narrative. Something I love as well, um, the jewels that you're vocalizing as well is like how we should normalize going to therapy because I think it's so important talking to someone and sometimes Mm. uh, even if you do have friends that you feel comfortable talking to it is a completely different experience talking to someone you don't know and it can be so beneficial for you so if you feel like you're having these feelings and and you're internalizing them so much to the point where they're affecting you even like worsely um consider I mean I don't want to tell you what to do but like consider um seeking or like speaking to a therapist because um I think we should really need to get out of this like negative mindset of, of therapy because it is so stupid because all it is is like all it is literally journal journaling but to a person that can help you reflect even better so like why are mm-hmm. we so negatively um I'm not but I know like there are there is that like negative stigma towards it sometimes um and I just I I loved how comfortable you were speaking about it because I think it should be comfortable like it's it's stupid that it is not a comfortable situation with some people nowadays so so yeah thank you for sharing and like and just making it seem like it's normal because it is normal and I really think it it should be normal so thank you for that yeah thank you I love my therapist oh I love her I wish we could be Mm. friends (laughs) (laughs) I I joke about this often because when I think about supporting myself, right, I, um, the therapist I see doesn't fall under my insurance. So it's coming out of my pocket. And I recognize this is an investment in myself because I can't, I can't solely rely on my loved ones to take that brunt of whatever I'm experiencing. And she's resourced for this. So all of the, like this, that's the one space where I am unfiltered and I get to just share. And she has, she has been the main reason why I've been able to navigate through so many difficult things and gain new perspective because there is a stigma attached to seeing a therapist. They think people think, Oh, you must be crazy or you must be weak. I don't need that, but we all need to have some sort of release. Yeah, we need to talk. We, we need to talk, you know, yeah. in a safe space where this person doesn't judge me. This person is an advocate for me, and she always reminds me to remember myself. So, being someone who I am, I'm like, oh well, you know, this pro- person's probably thinking this about the situation, or you know, I want to do this, and and she said something recently, my last session with her this week, where. I basically, I forget what the conversation was, but I said, you know what? I would be okay if I just did blank. And she goes, Jules, you're compromising yourself. She goes, this is, and she she reminds me, this is your one life. Like you deserve, you're a person with agency. You deserve X, Y, and Z. We shouldn't have to compromise for anything. And sometimes I forget that. Yeah. I love her. Shout out. I don't know if she would listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think there's just certain things where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I do want to share about, you know, being on your podcast, but I don't know if it would technically, I mean, all the things I've shared about on this podcast, she knows. Yeah. Of, so 
I'll send her the link. Yes, do that. <laughs> Hi, Mobley. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I mean, I personally, I've never been to therapy, but I'd, I'd I love to, to go. And I think that often, yeah. yeah, I think that often people think that they have to be at like rock bottom to be able to go see a therapist. But I think that often it can probably be the most helpful when, yeah. you know, before you get to a really yeah. dark spot. And I guess if you, if, I mean, well, the sad thing is though that a lot of people don't, aren't privileged enough to have um, like financial, uh, yeah. they aren't financially well off to, to, speak to a therapist and like especially in the UK um on the NHS system and stuff you can get a therapist but it's really hard um so I think yeah if, if anyone needs to see a therapist and can then like I think you should take advantage of the situation because it is hard to do it sometimes thankfully today there are so many resources that are, are accessible to people um I think there's this one called Talkspace, which is an app where you get to connect with someone. And if that's not the correct name, I apologize. But there are so many resources that are accessible. I mean, I know, you know, through the work that we've done with Saints of Steel, we've partnered with organizations who literally have volunteer therapists, and it's called, you know, talk therapy, where they'll have dedicated stations to provide this um, service for people who are displaced. So, you know, wherever you're located, I would definitely recommend looking into some resources um, because there are options available. Um, and I, I want to say this is probably, I'm very proud of myself for doing that because I was scared. Because I, you know, when you go to therapy, you have to face yourself. You have to face all the things you don't want to talk about, all the things you don't want to acknowledge about yourself. But it's, we have to if we want to be whole human beings who can navigate through life um, from a place where we are resourced, knowledgeable about who we were and, and where we're going, but also wanting to do great things in the world. Because you're right, I, I think oftentimes people find themselves in therapy when they're at rock bottom, but there are some moments where I have great weeks and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. connecting with my therapist and I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. You know, I'm good. <laughs> I had a great week and she will ask me a question and it'll ignite something within me that I've buried deep down that I wasn't, it was, it was in the background, not even in my sphere of awareness. So, you know, if, if you do have the option or the resources to seek help outside of yourself of your you know circle of friends and family I would definitely recommend doing that yeah I think it goes back to like definition of successes as well because I know that for me mine has definitely changed uh for where now I feel like true success and what I really want to strive for is like just being completely at peace with myself and like knowing that I know myself inside and out and I am happy with all the decisions I'm making and everything I'm putting out and the thoughts I'm having and all of that. And I yeah. think that, you know, speaking to somebody can obviously, and I feel like this year has definitely been like a journey for me to sort of <laughs> continuously like strive and, and reach for that, you know, because I think there's been several moments in my life where I felt like I've acted in a way that wasn't in alignment with, you know, my, my values and that, yeah, I just, mm. from those experiences, I'm now like, okay, I, don't want to be in those spots again also related to like mental health and in general I love that we're talking about this because like we said it is something that you know isn't talked about that much but should be talked about more often I think especially like in the career space um 
And you mentioned that obviously your current employers are super like open and accepting about this now. Have you had different experiences with employers or like schools in the past? You know, when I'm trying to think back to my time before Jade Thief, I I definitely had relationships with, you know, um, a teacher I worked for who was such, we, we created such a bond and there was a sense of safety, right? Where we would just talk openly. And, you know, I learned a lot from her experiences, um, but in terms of people above her, I didn't necessarily experience that. Um, but something that I think is so beautiful about our co-founders is they really care about people. And it's been apparent for me, even way before I started, they, they show, they have shown up for me time and time and time again. And it's something that when you, when you experience someone who creates a, a safe space for you, to show up as yourself. Cause you know, I, in terms of my imposter syndrome, I'm heavily tattooed. There's like visible, I can't hide them anymore. And I, I was aware of them before I got them. I was like, you know what? The they look are gonna- so cool though. Thank you. <laughs> your whole vibe that you're setting right now, like your background and what you're wearing and your tattoos. <laughs> love it. Your Pinterest. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, but it, it came at a, you know, it, it comes at a cost sometimes. Yeah. Like, in terms of the way people perceive me, it, it, we, without recognize it, judge other people. Mm. And we can't control it because it happens so instantly. It happens before we even recognize we're doing it. And, you know, I was scared. I'm like, well, I'm vis- like I'm heavily tattooed. I can't hide them. We went to Japan and there's a, a stigma around tattoos in Japan. But anyways, I, I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, my... My experience with our co-founders is has been so incredible because if anything, they're one of the first few people when I'm going through a situation, I know I can talk to them because they we're cultivating a people first culture. And I think when so many companies are saying, yes, we're inclusive and, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, inclusivity is so important to us. It's all talk, but it really has to be backed up by your actions yeah. and to be truly inclusive to be an inclusive company, you have to know your people. You have to know what makes them tick, the things that they struggle with, their vulnerabilities. And not to say that you're an open book to your team or your company, but you cannot be inclusive without knowing who's in front of you. Yeah. And they know me. So, you know, in moments where I'm going through a very tough time, um, the most recent one was when I lost my dog who has been with me for 17 years since I was a kid. You know, it's, he's a dog. He was a dog. And to me, he was my life. He was, he was, he's, I wouldn't be who I am today had I not had Tigger in my life. But most people don't know that. They see, oh, it's it's just a dog. You know, like, why is it impacting you? Unless you have a dog in your life or a pet, you would know that, no, this is a very deep relationship. Um, And when he died, it was my first experience with grief. Mm-hmm. I've had family members who have passed away that it didn't impact me in the way that his passing did. But I spoke to our co-founders and I basically said, hey, like, this is what I'm going through. And I I need time. You know, I know he's a dog, but he was very much a big part of my life. And I've never experienced grief. And I am not resourced yeah. for grief. <laughs> 
And they, you know, usually there's, uh, within some companies, you can take time for bereavement. Yeah. Usually it's for an immediate family. But they recognized how important he was to me. He was my immediate family. And they gave me that time I needed to just pause and, and feel whatever feelings I was experiencing. And I think that's so beautiful when you have team managers, co-founders who recognize that these moments will ultimately support you to support other people. Had I not get, gotten that time from them, I probably would have been resentful. Yeah. I would I would show up to work and they wouldn't get the best version of me. And it would show in my work because my work is very much customer facing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, I can't quite say in terms of the past because I didn't feel a sense of safety with other you know, our principal or managers that I've had, but with, with Mark and Will, it's, I'm just very grateful that they are who they are. And that's that so wonderful. We are cultivating a company that prioritizes people first. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, it sounds like you've truly found a company where they've created such a safe space for the employees. And I think that is actually really rare. And also I think that can sometimes you know, having smaller companies or, or even just like more personal bonds with the people, the managers, I think it's it's very rare, but I think it actually makes for way better work as well and being more compassionate with your employees and everything. Yeah. And I hope that I don't forget that when I'm one day a manager, you know, that actually I think people are always going to do better work for you as well. You know, if you give them the space to be themselves and also to be compassionate for them, like to take some time off or whatever it may be that, you know, you feel like they need. I feel like it's always going to have a better outcome in the end, even if you're just talking from like a business perspective, even. Totally, totally. It's rare. And I think most companies prioritize profit over people, but it's the people who drive the profit. Mm. So I think if companies recognize oh no my most valuable asset as a company are my people because without them they can't serve they can't serve the company they can't serve the community it's 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 a it's a really interesting shift in perspective because you know there are other amazing people first companies out there but it shows through in your actions that's when it matters in this moment where you know i'm still grieving it's been five months since he's passed and there are moments where I'm just sad, depleted, empty. I know I have a safe space and it's something that's really beautiful about them. Our co-founders is there was this moment, especially at the onset of COVID, um, you know, we're a distributed team and I'm the only team member in San Francisco. So I'm used to working from home. But it's, it's been impacted in ways where, you know, now we I can't work from a cafe if I wanted to, or I can't host events that I've been planning, you know, these, these huge events that require months of planning prior to, um, and I've had to pivot. But our CEO, Will, I remember it was around the beginning of when the shelter in place happened, where he said, hey, by the way, you know, I know, you know, it's, Next week, this is what we have planned. By the way, you have this, everyone has this day off. It's just a self-care day. This is a day for you to pour into yourself. Do, I mean, if it's snowboarding, if it's, you know, taking matcha baths, whatever is going to fill you, take the day for you. Right? And it's like, who does that? (laughs) It's so beautiful that there's that recognition of you need to be whole in order to do your best work. 
and I support you in that. So, mm. you know, I think in those moments, you know, to your point, it reminds me too, when I, when I work with my team, how can I check in on them personally? Cause it's easy to just pick up and say, great, this is what we're going to talk through. This is the agenda, but now how are you doing? How are you really doing? Yeah. And that creates this opportunity for deeper connection, for deeper trust and respect, because now, you know, I have the safe space to show up as I am. I mean, it's only it's only a few minutes of your time mm-hmm. asking someone how they're doing, but it can mean a lot more to that person. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess as well, it's like it's helping them reflect um, on actually because so most of the time when someone asks, how are you? I feel like it's just become an instinct to say I'm good <laughs> because it's just normal. <laughs> You're just like, I'm good, but you don't even think about it. But someone's like, sometimes it's, you have to be like, no, really, how are you? Like, how's your day been? How are you feeling? And I feel like those moments are mm-hmm. actually, they're oh so much gosh. more important than we make them out to be. Totally. It's a real moment, right? And, and in my experience with grief, with pet grief, which is real, pet grief is real. Um, I remember yeah. wanting to show up wholly and like, as myself and authentically to how I felt. So in any space, if I was going to Whole Foods or a grocery store and, you know, you have that small talk with or banter with uh, someone checking you out and they Mm. would ask, oh, how's your day going? And I challenged myself each time to not be on autopilot. And I would say, I'm feeling really sad today. And (laughs) no lie, the responses... The responses... Oh, that's so good. You you mentioned, you know, it's... It's an automatic response. And I do think a lot of us are on autopilot. We ask, how's your day going? Good. Or, you know, like whatever, fill in the blank of whatever uh, automatic response we might share. But that was a moment. It was very uncomfortable for the both of us because, well, I have to acknowledge my real feelings. I'm not good and I don't want to pretend to be good. But their response was either, I got two responses. It was either one of like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry you're having a bad day. Yeah. And then they opened up. Yeah, this day's a little, it's not, you know, it's really tough to be here. I'm experiencing this currently. You know, like I'm, I had to work, but my daughter and, you know, it created this opportunity for closeness and vulnerability with a stranger or Mm. the person shut down. (laughs) They're like, how's your day going? I'm like, I'm feeling really sad right now. And they're just like, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, and <laughs> they're like, that will be $59. I'm gonna go, like, beep, beep. Okay, your total is $59. <laughs> and it's like, it's so interesting. We as a society do not know how to talk about or navigate through grief. How, like, we just don't know. We think, oh, let we say things and it's as if there's this handbook. It's like, okay, when someone is sad, say these things and, you know, you you did your part. But how do you really go a step further to check in and say, hey, Jules, like, you know, I I know last week was really tough for you. How are you doing? Like, I know I mentioned you could reach out and you haven't reached out. Has there been a moment where you needed support? What could I do? Like, to go that step further, to to let someone know you can ask me for help. I want to help you. I want to support you is, is so important. And, you know, how do we do that for ourselves and how do we do that for other people around us that are going through tough times as I think we all are experiencing this pandemic in a myriad of ways. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting concept, like what you experience of, you know, people being uncomfortable with somebody else's sadness or grief. I was actually talking about this with a friend, um, I think like last week or something, because 
I've also felt those moments, you know, where, and I'm like ashamed to admit it almost, where like people have told me things that are really, really sad and terrible in their lives. And it, and I want to react in a way that does that justice. And it can be really mm-hmm. hard to react in an appropriate way. And then that made me think like, why am I made feel like to feel uncomfortable by somebody else's grief or, or loss? You know, what is it? I know I, I don't have the answer to this myself like I, I just find it mm-hmm. fascinating yeah. how it can like reflect something in your own like in your own brain if if somebody else is sharing something vulnerable or sad yeah I think we sometimes think we need to have the answers right like it's like oh my friend just shared a really tough moment I need to fix her you know, like I need to give her advice and yeah. sometimes people don't mm-hmm. want advice sometimes people just want you to hear them and to hold space and to yeah. let them know that their feelings are valid. And that's something I've had to remind myself too, because I'm, I'm, de- sometimes I get, you know, as open and vulnerable as I am, I get uncomfortable, you know, if someone's like, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm going through a depression. It's like, what do you, what do you say to this person? Cause obviously I think, well, I care about yeah. them. I don't, I want to make them feel happy, but sometimes just saying, Hey, you know, like, I'm so sorry you're experiencing that it, it hurts me you know like not like sharing my own experience it hurts me to see that this is something that you're experiencing um what do you need right now and they're like I don't know what I need that's okay or I need advice great I have some or I actually don't feel comfortable giving you advice like whatever it is right how do we honor someone's experiencing while also honoring our own Sometimes I this might be um, a bit off topic, but sometimes if I'm if I'm feeling really upset about something or or quite negative about something, and then um, I'm telling so let's say okay I'm gonna I'm telling my boyfriend I'm like I'm so upset about this this is annoying me my life sucks I don't want him to say no but it could be worse think of the think of the positives I don't want I want him to be like yes that sucks I'm sorry that yeah, it sucks yeah, yeah. and I'm sorry that you're upset about it I'd rather someone someone tell me that it's okay that it sucks then to try make me think of it in a positive way because that makes me feel like like I'm not like I can't justify why I'm being upset I'd rather someone just be like no this sucks it sucks it's it's invalidating right to share like this is my experience and someone might think oh I'm 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 trying to make them feel better yeah obviously his intentions are positive right yeah but it it's it, it minimizes your feelings and it's invalidating and I don't think many people recognize that's what they're doing and you know, when we, it's so hard in our, in our society or even just a, a young person to talk about our feelings because it, especially for, um, young boys who potentially could be going, you know, in men, uh, whether they're cis men or trans men experiencing imposter syndrome can be difficult to, to navigate through anything we've discussed today. How do I seek help with a therapist? How do I talk about yeah. this with my friends when from a young age, society tells them, be strong, don't cry, figure it out. You're a fixer, you know? And I think with partners, sometimes they do want to fix us, but we don't need to be fixed. Sometimes I'm just like, I just want to be sad and I want yeah. you to hold me. I just, or I want you to buy me food. <laughs> yeah, can you, you know, go like, get me some chocolate, please? <laughs> Yeah, can you get me matcha? Thank you. <laughs> to be fair, he's got because he, um, I've obviously vocalized this to him. I'm like, no, like stop it. It doesn't make me feel better by you saying, you saying. But you know, think of it positively. Yeah. So he's now, he literally comes in now whenever I'm upset, and he's like, 
I'm sorry you're going through this. It sucks. Do you want me to make you a match? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Go downstairs and make oh. me a match. <laughs> Snaps for the boyfriend. Yeah. But it is like, <laughs> obviously he wouldn't know if I was, didn't communicate it. So that's another thing. It's like communicating what you want to hear from someone and how, like, yes. others don't know how to comfort you. You need to tell them what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, because everybody's got yeah. different needs yeah. as well. Like maybe he would like to be comforted yeah, in the exactly. way that he was comforting you. As so it's all about reading the person. I do think yeah. it's like communication and knowing, okay, this is what that other person needs to be, I don't know, to feel like they're understood, to feel like they're loved. And obviously yeah. you wouldn't know that without actually talking to them. And yeah, know, for that, I, it's also vulnerable to share how, you know, how, I mean, for you as well, Kari, you know, for you to tell him like, actually, you know, that doesn't help me in this moment, you know, please. Yeah. <laughs> in the Just future. tell me that my life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we you know the at the forefront the experience might be I'm angry but we might not even be in touch with what we need in that moment so creating time for yourself to be in touch with your needs I know that's a big topic between me and my therapist today she get or not today but last last week (laughs) where she gave me homework and I I'm supposed to you know there's create three columns want will won't and in the want section are my needs what do I need as a person? What do I need from a partner? What are some things that I need to be fulfilled and whole? And then the will section is a section I'll compromise on. And the won't section is, nope, this is a hard line. This isn't going to happen for me. And taking that time to get in touch with yourself, to understand your needs, and then utilizing nonviolent communication to express them, I think is key. I, I, I'm aware of nonviolent communication and I'm not as resourced in that, but I think we all have fundamental needs as human beings and have different strategies to achieve them. It could be in the form of talking about it. It could be in the form of holding space for someone or hurting someone, right? Because that's filling a need of keep like allowing someone to feel just as bad as you feel. But, you know, I think it's so, to your point, it's so important to communicate it talk about it, create a safe space to talk about it and normalize it so that other people feel like they can too. Yeah. Just as you're doing on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this yeah. is the longest podcast conversation we've had and I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. We've been speaking for two hours. I think that's wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was about to say sorry <laughs> but I recognize I'm trying to also stop apologizing. Yeah, I'm definitely. just think like I'm. I've enjoyed the conversation because no, I feel same. like yeah, me too. I I haven't connected with people like this in a very long time, like in a very deep, vulnerable way. I I hate small talk. <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah. not something I enjoy. Like yeah, I want to go deeper with people, and I appreciate you for creating this space for to to allow us to to really go deep in a lot of vulnerable topics yeah I think this is one of the the coolest experiences of my life because I've opened up to someone I've never met and I've never done that before so I love this yeah very grateful for this I think I think one thing I want to know though or like I think would be a great um way to end the podcast is to ask you like what's one thing you wish you could tell younger you oh younger jewels man I would I would probably say 
I am so proud of you. Your instincts were right. And thank you for being resilient. Because these are resiliency and my intuition or instincts have never led me astray, even from a young age. And those were the moments where I thought, you know, someone in a position of authority is telling me this, a teacher is saying to do this, but something inside was saying, no, 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 that's not right. Say something about it. And that drive, that tenacity to be forthright has, is still very much a part of who I am today as an adult. So I would say I'm proud of you and thank you. That's so sweet. (laughs) I also want to give her a hug because (laughs) give a hug to younger Jules because man, I just, I felt like I had that need for connection too as a kid, you know, like wanting to be embraced. My, my parents are anything mushy or, you know, even conversations or things that we avoid. So, you know, I, being embraced as a kid, I, don't really remember yeah so I would give her a hug too I mean I I just want to say that I think it's interesting how you know you were saying how you felt that I guess need for connection from like a young age and now you've created your Instagram pages where you're helping like connect people and you're connecting to so many people on the internet I don't know if there's any correlation but I think that's really special you know I didn't recognize that (laughs) wow that's really beautiful it's something that's really important to me in, in my work is staying connected to our community at Jade Leaf through people who love matcha because, you know, I, our community of matcha lovers continue to inspire me. They're the ones who drive me to have very uncomfortable conversations sometimes with my team to say, this is, you know, I get it, but this is what I think the people want. And, and to be in touch with those needs of other people because there was a time where I was that person who was just like, oh, I wish I see these gaps and I wish a matcha brand would do this. And so now trying to fill those needs that I see and also hear from people, I take that to heart when someone says, oh, I, you know, I want you to like, can you share information about this or this? I'm like, no, really, I will write that down and I'll remember and I will do it because the people drive us. And I, I appreciate you for to making that correlation because I didn't recognize that that those were connected you know, younger Jules wanting to connect and being in a role today where I'm so connected to people is something I'm grateful for. You know, I hope at some point um, Jade Leaf would be available worldwide because, you know, I think in terms of wanting to support people who are doing incredible works and, and how you've tied it to matcha with your name, it's just uh, it means a lot and and we would want to support that and yeah I'm just blown away by your vulnerability the work that you do and and so grateful for the time that we've had today yeah and I just want to also say like thank you from the bottom of like both of our hearts I think I can say you know for being so open on this podcast and I mean obviously for coming on in the first place but also like for having this conversation with us and yes it's meant a lot I feel like I feel on the verge of tears like I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is a great way to end my year because it has been a tough year. So thank you to the both of you. And it's really a testament to who you both are as people, right? Like for someone to feel comfortable and safe, like I did, to share such 
vulnerable things and cry. <laughs> I, I'm okay with crying, but sometimes I really hold myself back, but I felt like I could express myself that way. So thank you for the environment, the virtual space that you've created that feels so safe. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for joining our episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did recording. And we hope to speak to you next time.